Have you heard about our latest subscription offer? Subscribe to an Irish Examiner annual subscription today and receive a free pair of OneSonic earphones valued at $79.99. Stay informed with our award-winning journalism and enjoy your favourite podcasts in premium sound. Visit irishexaminer.com forward slash earphones to subscribe now. Hurry, this offer won't last long. Terms and conditions apply. Offer available while stocks last. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Need to stock up on any weather wardrobe staples? Check out American Giant for hoodies, jackets, sweats, and more pieces you can wear anywhere, all made right here in the USA. Go to American-Giant.com and use code AnyStyle24 for 20% off your order. Hello and welcome to the Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, artificial intelligence. How much do we know about it? How much today should we know about it? AI, as it's known, has been continually in the headlines in recent months, principally through advances in areas like chat GPT, one of the processes by which we are seeing that language and resources gleaned from the internet can be used to compose written voice or even artistic content and presented, effectively, this was as if it was the work of human beings. Of late, some leading figures in the area have expressed concern about how AI is changing the world and whether we may have gone too far. On the other hand, the kind of changes being wrought should also lead to some serious medical advances. So what is AI and how wary should we be of it? Joining me for, a, I suppose, tutorial about AI today and tomorrow is Gregory Proven, who's a professor at the Computer Science Department in UCC. Greg, you're very welcome. Thanks very much for having me on, Mick. Greg, I suppose to start at what I suppose I thought was a bit of a, a worrying development, and I think others may have as well last month, and that was the resignation from Google of this man, uh, Jeffrey Hinton, some people have described him as, as the godfather of artificial intelligence. And his comment when he resigned, he was saying uh, he was worried about the, some of the dangers of AI chatbots. And he suggested right now they're not more intelligent than us as far as I can tell, but I think they soon may be. That's a kind of a worrying thing to be hearing from a man like that. Oh, it definitely is. And, you know, I think that you know, certainly at the very least, we need to be thinking about educating ourselves about what these things are doing, the role that they are playing currently in our lives and how they can affect us in the future. So, you know, Jeff, as you said, he was instrumental in creating the basis for what we call these large language models. So he was very instrumental in creating the underlying neural networks and we seem to have gone into a phase shift. So early on, um, neural networks were very simple toys, really. And that was, that was in the 70s and the 80s. And with the advent of um, you know, very large amounts of data that have been collected and very powerful computers, 
we now are training them with enormous models, and that is what we have as the basis of these large language models. And take it back a small bit, um, Greg, when you say like there were toys in the 70s and 80s, what were they capable of doing then? So we had limited computers and these neural networks were typically very small. So, you know, probably less than a megabyte. And, you know, they were used for things like image processing and, um, you know, not, not nothing like trying to learn an entire language. So what, what we're seeing now is that you can provide, um, let's say, English to French translation. So if you give it a whole bunch of sentences in English with the correct French translations, these new models, they can now learn the underlying structure of the English language, the corresponding structure of the French language, and then given new sentences in English, they can do the translation into French for a sentence that it's never seen before, because now it's learned about the underlying structure of language. And that is what is the basis of these large language models. And that was never before capable in these neural networks. And and then I suppose advancing that, as I understand it, and particularly with the likes of this one, uh, Chat GPT, as I understand it, um, I feed something into this, a few details about myself, and it can come back and effectively give a profile of whom exactly I am, or, or, or similarly, if I feed a few details in that I want to write a story about a particular thing, it can come back and effectively have the story written. Yeah, so, you know, one of the other interesting new things is what we call generative AI. So what I was talking about before is language translation. And there, that's a more limited version of this. That's where you say, I'm just going to give it a sentence in one language and it can translate it into a different language. Okay, so th- so that's limited. For example, as people would know, Google Translates is the obvious one there. Yes. That, that I've Actually, people may be familiar with it because I've noticed myself when Ukrainian people came here first a lot. <laughs> I gave a lift one day to someone and she just literally puts the phone under my nose to translate what exactly I was saying. And it was the first time I encountered it. Now, that's a very primitive, in a way, version of what we're talking about in terms of AI. Yes. Well, in, in some senses, it's primitive. I mean, it's incredibly useful. Oh, yeah. And I, I wouldn't say it's primitive from the point of view of what it's learning, right? So it's learning the structure of a language. Right. Okay, and, and so that, that's based on just having seen sufficient numbers of sentences and the corresponding translation into another language. Okay, so we're not teaching it what the language structure is, and that's what it's learning, and that's what's significant. Okay, so w- we shouldn't downplay that. Right. But the next step up is what we call generative AI. So here we are generating responses that haven't been fed into the computer before. So it allows you to have a conversation with a computer and it knows the structure of the underlying language and it's creating responses that it, that it seems to think would be plausible. Okay, so this is the, the, the next level up. And, and you know, it's, it's another very powerful uh, capability of these computers. So... 
um, you know, th- that's what people find fascinating and people are really being drawn into it. And ChatGPT has had more users every day than any other piece of software. So clearly it's really struck a chord with all of us. Have you, have you tried to interact with ChatGPT? I haven't personally. No, I've heard a lot about it. I haven't, I haven't got around to it yet. But I suppose a basic example, for instance, you hear often about is in, in universities or colleges, people writing essays. As I understand, they, they now have to be proofed for that because there's a tendency among some people to, uh, you have to throw in a few details and it comes back with your written essay. Oh, yes. I mean, the, the, that's the generative aspect of it. You you give it, well, I'd like to have an essay on, um, you know, Irish history between 1917 and 1935. And, you know, you might talk about Michael Collins and tell me the role that Michael Collins played in this period of history. And it would generate quite a nice essay for you. So, you know, th- th- this is a powerful element of, of what's capable now. Absolutely. And... Again, and this is very simplified, I know, Greg, but just as I understand it, all of that information that it generates and that it fashions into an essay is all information that the process itself, it's available to it through what's available online in all various types of um, forums. Uh, well, I think that that's where people need to educate themselves because uh, you probably have heard of this notion of hallucination. Yeah. Right. So So explain that to us just for the listeners. Okay. So the notion of hallucination for these generative models is when one of these generative models creates a response that is not supported by any of the data that it has been trained on. And it's a plausible model from the, the, the syntax and from the flow of ideas, but it's completely made up and in many cases, it's completely false. So, th- so this is, I think, one of the major problems with these large language models is, is this notion of hallucination. And this is where it can lead people astray. And, you know, it's already starting to see some repercussions. You know, so, for example, I, I was looking online and, and currently there's a lawsuit over this in the state of Georgia in the U.S., where, um, you know, what happened was uh, there was a large language model, well, ChatGPT, that was used and it created a bunch of accusations of embezzlement against um, somebody in the state. His name is Mark Walters. He's a radio host. And he now is uh, suing OpenAI, which is the company that has created ChatGPT. And this is, in some quarters, considered a landmark case because it could define the legal standards for generative AI and the culpability of these generative AI tools. And so, you know, one of the big problems from my perspective is that this is really just a wild, wild west. You know, you have these hallucinations. Everybody talks about them. Many people who have played with these tools have seen it, and yet... There is no legislation against it, and it can really be problematic. So, in one way, would it be correct in describing as as hallucination? You said, in one way, it's it's the uh, the entity bluffing. Oh yes, it's absolutely bluffing. And um, I mean, th- th- there was a, a very 
interesting article. I don't know if you saw it in the Irish Times on June 24th by Frank Dillon. And he was interacting with ChatGPT and he asked ChatGPT to, to write an article about him. And it wrote his obituary. And it was a very funny article. And, um, you know, he, he was just saying that, you know, he, he just couldn't believe it. And I think th people were commenting also on this um, ChatGPT-generated article on fake tans that was yes. published in the Irish Times, you know. And, um, you know, it wasn't initially declared as, as a fake article. Um, so sometimes people can just see something that's hallucination and sometimes people can deceptively put things in. And I think that's one of the dangers of this technology is that it's so good and we can be seeing it more and more in, you know, cases where people just think it's humorous and in other cases where they're trying to deceive. And I think that's one of the big problems moving forward with this. But the fact that, as you say, it's plausible. But I mean, you mentioned that the article in the Irish Times about the tanning and I, from recollection that was a thing that was generated that suggested um, that Irish people, their their wish to tan didn't take cognizance of the racism that people with darker skin had suffered at various stages throughout history. Now, and it did seem, on first view, it seemed what you might call very... Um, very much, uh, to, to use that phrase, wouldn't walk or whatever you want to call it. It would have seemed that way at first viewing, but it did seem a little off. But having said that, if, <laughs> an awful lot of people bought it. The Irish Times, three or four days later, came out and said they were investigating it and they discovered what it was. But there's an example in one way, Greg, that I, I would have thought that that uh, hallucination as it is, plausible in one way, but there's there's going to be something off about it and does that suggest, or, or, or will the, the process get more sophisticated, that it won't be as obvious that there's something that's not quite right about it? Oh, yes. And, and I think um, you started with talking about Jeff Hinton. And, you know, that's Jeff Hinton's first fear is that it will become more and more sophisticated over time. And, you know, there's this um, concept of deep fakes, right? So ChatGPT already can record somebody's voice just like we're doing right now and then it can make a phone call and you know try and extract money from somebody and you know this is just going to become better and better over time and so you, you know how do we guard against it i think it's becoming increasingly harder to guard against this and it doesn't have a moral compass no the, i mean the, the, there's zero morality in there and if you think about current chat GPT, there are safeguards that they're trying to put around it. And there is much that we don't know in terms of safeguarding it. So it's really, you know, when we see an error, we try and correct it. But there is no fundamental morality built into this system. And, you know, what I found quite interesting is people who have tried to get chat GPT to reveal, quote unquote, its inner self. Right. And so there have been several cases where, you know, chat, they've got chat GPT talking about trying to take over the world and things in, of that nature. And so we really don't know what's lying within the system. It, it's just such a large piece of software that, that 
there's there's nobody on earth that that can really understand what's going on underneath it. And give me a few examples, Greg, of bad scenarios that could develop that would be really threatening to to uh, to life if we know it using the likes of of, of this offer. Well, certainly, um, if you think about the current war going on between Ukraine and Russia, and I was talking about deep fakes. So one could have a deep fake that was saying that the, the Ukrainians were threatening to invade Russia and, you know, Putin could release nuclear weapons. Okay, so, you know, this is a scenario that is not incredibly far-fetched right now. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it would happen. We, we probably have enough safeguards in place now, but as things move forward, you know, that could certainly be possible. So in broad terms, it could be used as a weapon of war and similarly, presumably, as a means of uh, serious criminality. Oh, yes. I mean, and and it, it is going to be used as serious criminality. I already talked about the case where, you know, it can record somebody's voice yeah. and then it can be used um, to try and, um, you know, extract money from people. So, you know, we all get emails and, and, and voice messages, but now the sophistication is going to be ramped up considerably and we're going to have to be more and more on guard. Okay, and in terms of controls and regulations, what can we do? I, mean, I think this is where things become really very tricky. You know, I, I have lots of colleagues who are working to try and introduce controls and, you know, the EU is, is promising to introduce controls, but it's not going to be for another year or more. And, you know, the technology is moving far faster than the legislation. So, you know, I do think the Irish government needs to take this a lot more seriously. I mean, if you think about certain countries, so um, Italy has banned certain forms of these bots. Um, you know, there are some states in the US that have banned ChatGPT. So, you know, these things need to be considered. And and if you think about the, the, the case of the Microsoft product suite, so Bing, for example, now uses ChatGPT. And personally, I'm strongly against this. Um, you know, we should have had some clear indications about the introduction of ChatGPT as a standard within the Microsoft suite. And, you know, we should have an on-off switch for this. Right? We should say, I consent or I do not consent to be using ChatGPT. And, and it's because of this possibility of hallucinations that could lead us astray. And, and Microsoft could not stand legally and say, there is zero probability that it's going to lead somebody astray. If we think about TikTok as another example, um, you know, there are AI companions associated with TikTok. There are no rules about age and consent when, when people use TikTok. And there are lots of young people, lots of minors who are using these bots. And, you know, I, I again think that, you know, these are things where, you know, there should be parental concern and there should be parental controls over this. So in the darkest of all kind of um, areas, Greg, are you saying, for instance, particularly where minors are involved, that you could have a far more sophisticated attempt by the likes of predators or somebody like that who wants to prey on minors, it, it would make their efforts more sophisticated and easier. Yes, I would say definitely yes. And, you know, if there was a, 
an article in May 13th in the Irish Times by Breda O'Brien, who was strongly advocating on using filters for young people with, with any of these new technologies. And, and I would strongly encourage that. And I don't think that these are, are very strong things that, that, sh- that could you know, take a long time for legislation. And you know, if you think about you know, the, the kinds of things that we, we want for our young people, and certainly for minors, you, know, you, you wouldn't want your children being more susceptible to predators. Mm. Right, as you as you were suggesting, absolutely, there. and as you say, okay, the, the, the government and and presumably by extension the EU are slow in reacting in terms of controls and regulations. But in the event that they got their act together, policing it, how difficult would that be, or or should that be controllable, as it is in other areas, for instance? Um, well, so so one of the other areas that I work in, and I think is useful to contrast this is autonomous vehicles. And if you think about the promises that people were making about having fully autonomous cars, um, you know, things aren't being delivered. And I think it's interesting to to compare the two. So um, you know, the likes of Tesla, they've had, you know, several crashes. Okay. And some of these modern AI Technologies are being embedded in these Tesla vehicles. But in this arena, you're interacting with the real world, right? If you hallucinate with your vision system on one of these autonomous cars and it causes a crash, there are real implications there, right? And you can be sued for that. And so there are pre-existing regulations that control this and, you know, there are real world implications. I think the problem with ChatGPT is that it's in a largely unregulated area. So if you think about um, social networking, uh, Facebook and all of these kinds of things, you know, there are probable downsides that people have talked about, but it's very hard to sue somebody for misleading you about X, Y, Z. Right, so I do think that that the laws really need to be revamped with social networks, and more so with ChatGPT enhanced social networks. I, were you talking about bringing it under the criminal code, Gregory? I would say absolutely yes. Um, you know, if you think about the the issue of Cambridge Analytica mm-hmm. and the tampering with elections, and and that never really got prosecuted. Um, you know, and and I fear for this coming U.S. election. So, so just sorry, just to let people in who may not be Cambridge Analytica, of course, was what was used in the 2016 presidential election in the U.S. That was able to manipulate an awful lot of information that is large. It's accepted to a large extent that it assisted Donald Trump principally, I think, in in relation to that. And it it came out afterwards as something of a scandal. But as you said, nobody was actually prosecuted for it. Yeah, so you know the, these are grey areas, and you know these uh, unless we start closing these loopholes, they're only going to become worse and worse with this more sophisticated technology. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Now, the other side of the coin is that artificial intelligence can also, as I understand it, do an awful lot of good in areas like medical research. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, there are starting to be, um, you know, advances so... um, you know, in drug discovery, they're hoping that these large language models can help with drug discovery. Um, already, um, artificial intelligence is better than humans at um, reading scans for cancer. So, you know, th- there are some very clear advantages of, of using many of these AI technologies. And, and, you know, I'm not in favor of throwing everything out. It's just where there are unlegislated regions that could be harmful to various aspects of society. And the slowness to regulate, is that just governments um, not being fully cognizant of how dangerous this is? Or are there also vested interests whispering in the ear as you have in all sorts of areas in terms of lawmaking? I would say it's a mixture of both. I mean, if you think about tobacco legislation, you know, for a very long time, the tobacco industry, I'm sure they were paying mm. people off and, you know, they were falsifying the experiments and all kinds of things. And it took a, a long time. And, and now, you know, we, we wouldn't doubt that tobacco directly causes cancer. Okay. And, and so the legislation has changed, but it took quite a long time. Um, with, this new large language technology, people suspect and they have long suspected that, that there are issues. I mean, if you think about Instagram and its impacts on young women and you know the, the, all, of, all of the issues associated with that, there hasn't been any prosecution as far as I'm aware. So, you know, as a society, we're aware of these things beforehand, but we're not prosecuting them aggressively enough, in my opinion. And what ChatGPT enables is a significant increase in the capabilities of these systems. And, you know, I'm not even talking about 
you know, this specter of AI taking over the world. I'm just talking about things that we know and live with today. Yeah, it is worrying, as you say, definitely, um, from that point of view. I suppose the other thing that arises, and you mentioned autonomous cars, and we know there was so for so long predictions about them becoming widespread. It hasn't come to pass so far. And there's been all sorts of, at various times in the past, predictions of the kind of developments that we could expect. And again, hasn't really come to pass. Do you see this development in a different vein, that the, the the threats that are potentially posed are far more real and, and the advances that are, are predicted are, are as likely? That's a really difficult question to answer. Um, so I would probably agree with Jeff Hinton that at this moment, ChatGPT is limited in its abilities. Okay, so, so the question is, can it make this transformation to suddenly um, get over the hump and have what people call artificial general intelligence, where it can, in some strong sense, think for itself. So I was talking about, you know, let's say, large language models and their ability to do um, translation of one language to another. That's one level of capability. Then this notion of generative AI, where you can generate responses that haven't been put in there. That's the next level. And then the next level up is where it has you know, a human-level degree of intelligence. We haven't gotten there yet. People are afraid that, um, you know, and Jeff Hinton said he thought maybe within five to ten years we're going to get to that level. And at that point, if we haven't corralled these systems and put appropriate steps to limit how they interact with us, then you know there's no telling what could happen. So I'm not saying that we're going to get there, but if that happens, then you know there are going to be very serious ramifications. But I would say that you know as we've been talking about, we're we're seeing things already now, and you know as we've said for the next U.S. election, I think there's going to be all kinds of scams and fakes coming from this new technology. Um, and, and, and it's going to be really unpleasant and, and very hard to understand what the reality is. And I suppose the other thing, Gregory, is that, um, you know, in terms of any area of science in particular, uh, people are going to develop it as far as they can. That's the nature of people who are pursuing new scientific solutions. It's highly unlikely we will get to a stage where, in general terms, there's someone's going to say, right, let's not attempt to develop this any further. And even if that did happen, it would probably just drive it underground in some form or another to be to be developed there. Yeah, so, so I mean, th- that's one of the very tricky aspects of this. So if you've been following the, the developer of ChatGPT, um, OpenAI, the CEO, Sam Altman, has been going on various trips talking about the need to legislate. But this has been um, you know, not, not the most open sense because he also doesn't want his own company to be legislated against. He's just saying, you know, everybody else should be legislated and, and you know, we're doing good and, and, you know, we should be allowed unfettered development. So the genie is already out of the bottle. Okay. And the question is, how do we, as a society, enable 
checks and balances that, that will help us as a society moving forward. And, you know, you know, one of my big concerns is for our young people, because, you know, when they interact with these bots, they don't know better. And, you know, as parents, we need to, to be able to step in and say, you know, this is a proper use of this technology and this is an improper use. And, and, and I don't think that that kind of legislation should be that hard to put in place. When we think about, as you're talking about, you know, letting companies develop the technology freely and openly, that, that's a lot trickier to try and legislate. Okay. And, you know, if, if we were to go back to, well, what might be one of the darker futures, um, AI in warfare. Okay. So pretty much we're seeing that in the war between Ukraine and Russia. Right. So these drones are, are becoming very important. And then obviously the next phase is where you have drones that use AI to do the shooting and the dropping of bombs. And, you know, how do we control that? You know, what if something goes wrong in that kind of scenario? And nobody wants to talk about that issue, really. Yeah. And I mean, as you said, the, the software itself doesn't have any morality. And what we're talking about is, well, I don't know, are, are we, does morality enter into it in terms of those who are driving further developments? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, these companies are really looking at, you know, making profits and, and, and that's completely driving the technology. If you think about um, Google's response to the release of, of ChatGPT, they, they changed their company around and they, they changed their research divisions so that they could properly respond to this. And, you know, one of the changes in Google has been thinking about how they're going to develop their search engine in the future. So, I mean, the word to Google is just telling you about the dominance of the Google mm. search engine. And that's an algorithm that is pretty well understood and people are accepting of the results. What is happening now is that ChatGPT is replacing the search engine in the Microsoft Bing product. And Google is strongly thinking about replacing with another large language model its own search engine. And, you know, th this is the kind of impact that these companies are looking at. And this is, you know, the core profit driving engine of Google. And they're being forced to think through, you know, do we transform our company based on this technology? So it's having huge ramifications, not just for us as individuals, but for all companies. And it's all about profit. Yeah, and one other thing that strikes me, you know, I may be off this, but I'd be curious about your opinion. I, I, recently, <laughs> recently going to a football match and um, I was on the far side of the city and, uh, you know, I didn't know the area. When I arrived there, one of the other young fellas football match, when I arrived there, one of the other parents, I turned to him and I said, Jesus, where were we before Google Maps? I don't know how we got anywhere. And, you know, that has basically made us lazy to the extent how we got places. Was we, we, we mapped out a route, we stopped, we asked people whatever, but we proactively had to do something. Now all we have is Google Maps. If you uh, look at that and look at it exponentially in terms of developments in AI, you know, there's potential there to ensure that uh, use of uh, intelligence and imagination will likely be further limited if all you do is 
throw a few pointers into a piece of software and that does uh, does the thinking for you effectively. Yeah, I mean, so so I think that that's that's an extremely good example that that shows you both the pros and the cons of this technology, right? So, like you, I I couldn't survive anymore without <laughs> Google Maps, right? And 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 I I still love my paper maps, but um, you know, when I'm in areas where I've never been before, I rely a hundred percent on Google Maps. Right, so it's fantastic technology. It, it's a huge advance over what I used to do in the past. The problem is we're giving ourselves over completely to this underlying technology. And if we don't understand it, and if there are provable cases where the technology leads us astray, that's a problem because you know we're saying, I'll do whatever you say, and I don't know why you're saying it, but I'm just going to yeah. do it blindly. Okay? And, you know, when we talk about social networking and elections, it's clear that, you know, there are people who are made to believe things that are more extreme than actually is true because of, you know, being in these tunnels of their social networks. And now this new technology is ramping up this behavior. And so, you know, that's one of the downsides. So we're seeing, you know, the, the, the... wonders of the technology and and the positive aspects but also the potential negatives that, that, that can exist right side by side finally Gregory in your experience would you be optimistic that it's something to control or would you be pessimistic about the possible outcomes at this point in time I would be optimistic so I, I would be optimistic that our governments are going to get their acts together and put in appropriate controls that can limit these things. Um, if you think about something like the banking crisis, where you know banks were allowed to trade instruments and also to sell the lo- sell the loans and hold the money, and you know th- that single point of interaction meant that they had full control over everything, right? And that that was changed legally, right? I hope that we don't go into an AI crisis that would force us to seriously legislate. And I'm trusting the governments that, you know, we're, we're going to create a, a way forward such that we can have the positives of Google Maps without, you know, having to endure some really big downsides of it. Professor Gregory Proven, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Mick. It's been wonderful to talk to you today. Folks, also like to, as always, thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. Take it easy. Music